Chapter Three of *The Nest of the Sparrowhawk* by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Exile. But despite outward indifference, with the brief appearance of the soberly garbed young student upon the scene and his abrupt and silent departure all the zest seemed to have gone out of lady sue's mood the ingenuous flatteries of her little court irritated her now she no longer felt either amused or pleased by the extravagant compliments lavished upon her beauty and skill by portly squire john by sir timothy harrison or the more diffident young squire pinchian of a truth i sometimes wish lady sue that i could find out if you have any faults remarked squire boatfield unctuously nay squire she retorted sharply pray try to praise me to my female friends in vain did mistress pinchian admonish her son to be more bold in his wooing you behave like a fool oliver she said meekly but mother go make yourself pleasing to her ladyship but mother i pray you my son she retorted with unusual acerbity do you want a million or do you not but mother then go at once and get it ere that fool sir timothy or the odious boatfield capture it under your very nose but mother go say something smart to her at once talk about your grey mare she is over fond of horses then as the young squire awkward and clumsy in his manner more accustomed to the company of his own servants than to that of high-born ladies made sundry unfortunate attempts to enchain the attention of the heiress his worthy mother turned with meek benignity to sir marmaduke a veritable infatuation good sir marmaduke she said with a sigh quite against my interests you know i had no thought to see the dear lad married so soon nor to give up my home at the dean yet in favour of a new mistress not but that oliver is not a good son to his mother such a good lad and such a good husband he would be to any girl who a strange youth that secretary of yours sir marmaduke here interposed dame harrison in her loud dictatorial voice breaking in on mistress pinchian's dithyrambs modest he appears to be and silent too a paragon meseems she spoke with obvious sarcasm casting covert glances at lady sue to see if she heard sir marmaduke shrugged his shoulders lambert is very industrious he said curtly i thought secretaries never did anything but suck the ends of their pens suggested mistress pinchian mildly 
sometimes they make love to their employer's daughter retorted dame harrison spitefully for lady sue was undoubtedly lending an ear to the conversation now that it had the young secretary for object she was not watching squire boatfield who was wielding the balls just then with remarkable prowess and at this last remark from the portly old dame she turned sharply round and said with a strange little air of haughtiness which somehow became her very well but then you see mistress master lambert's employer doth not possess a daughter of his own only a ward mayhap that is the reason why his secretary performs his duties so well in other ways her cheeks were glowing as she said this and she looked quite defiant as if challenging these disagreeable mothers and aunts of fortune-hunting youths to cast unpleasant aspersions on a friend whom she had taken under her special protection sir marmaduke looked at her keenly a deep frown settled between his eyes at sight of her enthusiasm his face suddenly looked older and seemed more dour more repellent than before sue hath such a romantic temperament he said dryly speaking between his teeth and as if with an effort lambert's humble origin has fired her imagination he has no parents and his elder brother is the blacksmith down at acol his aunt who seems to have had charge of the boys ever since they were children is just a common old woman who lives in the village a strict adherent so i am told of this new sect whom justice bennett of derby hath so justly nicknamed quakers they talk strangely these people and believe in a mighty queer fashion i know not if lambert be of their creed for he does not use the thee and thou when speaking as do all quakers so i am told but his empty pockets a smattering of learning which he has picked up the lord knows where and a plethora of unspoken grievances have all proved a sure passport to lady sue's sympathy nay but your village of acol seems full of queer folk good sir marmaduke said mistress pinchian i have heard talk among my servants of a mysterious prince hailed from france who has lately made one of your cottages his home oh ah yes quoth sir marmaduke lightly the interesting exile from the court of king louis i did not know that his fame had reached you mistress a french prince in this village exclaimed dame harrison sharply and pray good sir marmaduke where did you go a-fishing to get such a bite nay replied sir marmaduke with a short laugh i had naught to do with his coming he wandered to acol from dover about six months ago it seems and found refuge in the lambert's cottage where he has remained ever since a queer fellow i believe i have only seen him once or twice in my fields in the evening usually 
perhaps there was just a curious note of irritability in sir marmaduke's voice as he spoke of this mysterious inhabitant of the quiet village of acol certain it is that the two match-making old dames seemed smitten at one and the same time with a sense of grave danger to their schemes an exile from france a prince who hides his identity and his person in a remote kentish village and a girl with a highly imaginative temperament like lady sue here was surely a more definite a more important rival to the pretensions of homely country youths like sir timothy harrison or squire pinchian than even the student of humble origin whose brother was a blacksmith whose aunt was a quakeress and who wandered about the park of acol with hollow eyes fixed longingly on the much courted heiress dame harrison and mistress pinchian both instinctively turned a scrutinizing gaze on her ladyship neither of them was perhaps ordinarily very observant but self-interest had made them keen and it would have been impossible not to note the strange atmosphere which seemed suddenly to pervade the entire personality of the young girl there was nothing in her face now expressive of whole-hearted partisanship for an absent friend such as she had displayed when she felt that young lambert was being unjustly sneered at rather it was a kind of entranced and arrested thought as if her mind having come in contact with one all-absorbing idea had ceased to function in any other direction save that one her cheeks no longer glowed they seemed pale and transparent like those of an ascetic her lips were slightly parted her eyes appeared unconscious of everything round her and gazing at something enchanting beyond that bank of clouds which glimmered snow-white through the trees but what in the name of common sense is a french prince doing in acol village ejaculated dame harrison in her most strident voice which had the effect of drawing every one's attention to herself and to sir marmaduke whom she was thus addressing the men ceased playing and gathered nearer the spell was broken that strange and mysterious look vanished from lady sue's face she turned away from the speakers and idly plucked a few bunches of acorn from an overhanging oak of a truth replied sir marmaduke whose eyes were still steadily fixed on his ward i know as little about the fellow ma'am as you do yourself he was exiled from france by king louis for political reasons so he explained to the old woman lambert with whom he is still lodging i understand that he hardly ever sleeps at the cottage that his appearances there are short and fitful and that his ways are passing mysterious and that is all i know he added in conclusion with a careless shrug of the shoulders quite a romance remarked mistress pinchian dryly 
you should speak to him good sir marmaduke said dame harrison decisively you are a magistrate tis your duty to know more of this fellow and his antecedents scarcely that ma'am rejoined sir marmaduke you understand i have a young ward living for the nonce in my house she is very rich and i fear me of a very romantic disposition i shall try to get the man removed from hence but until that is accomplished i prefer to know nothing about him how wise of you good sir marmaduke quoth mistress pinchian with a sigh of content a sentiment obviously echoed in the hearts of a good many people there present one knows these foreign adventurers concluded sir marmaduke with pleasant irony with their princely crowns and forlorn causes half a million of english money would no doubt regild the former and bolster up the latter he rose from his seat as he spoke boldly encountering even as he did so a pair of wrathful and contemptuous girlish eyes fixed steadily upon him shall we go within he said addressing his guests and returning his young ward's gaze haughtily even commandingly a cup of sack posset will be welcome after the fatigue of the game will you honour my poor house mistress and you too ma'am gentlemen you must fight among yourselves for the privilege of escorting lady sue to the house and if she proves somewhat disdainful this beautiful summer's afternoon i pray you remember that faint heart never won fair lady and that the citadel is not worth storming and it is not obdurate the suggestion of sack posset proved vastly to the liking of the merry company mistress de chavasse who had been singularly silent all the afternoon walked quickly in advance of her brother-in-law's guests no doubt in order to cast a scrutinizing eye over the arrangements of the table which she had entrusted to the servants sir marmaduke followed at a short distance escorting the older women making somewhat obvious efforts to control his own irritability and to impart some sort of geniality to the proceedings then in a noisy group in the rear came the three men still fighting for the good graces of lady sue whilst she silent absorbed walked leisurely along paying no heed to the wrangling of her courtiers her fingers tearing up with nervous impatience the delicate cups of the acorns which she then threw from her with childish petulance and her eyes still sought the distance beyond the boundaries of sir marmaduke's private grounds there where cornfields and sky and sea were merged by the summer haze into a glowing line of emerald and purple and gold. End of chapter 3